Proverbs 10. Proverbs 10. Very serious about this. Very serious about it. I'm going to try to read without them. Very serious about what I'm talking to you about. Um, I'm not looking for a church that knows how to shout and has no substance. I'm not looking for people that talk about the blessings of God but never experience them. I'm not looking for to raise up a group of people that are serious about their freedom, which is great, but don't know how to bless others with that freedom. I don't believe that the Lord would bless you just for you. I believe that the Lord blesses you to be a blessing to others. Um, and so it's very necessary as shepherds of a house. My wife and I are shepherds. That's what pastor means. In its Greek, uh, in, in its Greek origins, sh uh, pastor is shepherd, to be a shepherd. Um, and shepherds, when they see a need in the flock, will lead them to where the blessing is that they lead us to green pastures. How I many know oh, Jesus Christ is the great shepherd? So he leads us to, great, uh, to green pastures. Now, how many, how many believe in the blessing of God on your life? Raise your hand. Now, keep that hand up. How many would want it to increase on your life exponentially? Put the other hand up. Now, I, I am just a very radical person, as you know. Many times, God has called me to preach against the, the cultures, the evil culture, the society, evil, evil things in culture and society. But then there are times when God apprehends me to talk to you and to those that are watching that are members to tell you what to expect, to tell you what is coming. I don't see for Worship with Wonders Church I don't see, as long as we focus on the Lord, I don't see cursing. I don't see lack. I don't see indebtedness. I see abundance. I see overflow. I see getting out of debt. I see goodly houses. I see cars that God's going to bless people with. I see joy. I see peace. So it is my job and it is her job as pastors to make sure we adequately arm you with truth to know that that rightfully belongs to you. It cannot be something you come and hear from me say. It has to get in deep down in the bedrock of your mind, of your emotion, to when, the, when society or situation tells you different, you know how to respond immediately. When you see not enough in your life, you don't agree with that. You agree with this. So in order to know truth, the facts, we have to understand that truth overrides facts. 
the facts are you may not have enough right now. But the truth says that he came to give you life. And not just life, but abundant life. Now, I am very well versed in this Bible to know that that does not mean simply material possession. The blessing of God is not material. However, when the blessing of God gets on your life, the blessings from God as well get on your life. So you can't have one without the other. You can have the blessings without the blessing. So I want to read this scripture, Proverbs 10. We've been saying this, and if you don't want to shout me down today, I am totally fine with that. I want you to shout inside. If you don't want to shout, at least be alert and, and ready for what's about to hit your life. Matter of fact, tell your neighbor, say, I'm ready. Now, get on your feet because we're about to read the scripture anyway. Say, I am ready. Turn it up because I want to hear myself. I want to tell myself, I am ready for the favor and the blessing of God to hit me and everything around me. Now, say this it will happen. It will happen happen. on my life. life. I change my mind mind. today. Today. My faith faith is in agreement agreement with God's word word on my life. life. Are y'all ready to read? I just felt faith in the room just rise up right there. Hard to preach when the place is not full of faith, but if you got faith, if you got faith, you're going to put it up. You're going to put a mandate upon this word. If you have no faith for the blessing of God on your life, you will hear this message, but you will not do it. These cannot be scriptures that we just overlook and we only get. Because let me tell you something. I'm not just, I'm not just, and some of you are going to be so upset when I say this. I thank God for the miracles on my life. But a miracle is what you need when you don't have something. He is a miracle worker. I need miracles every day. So please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But the moment that they came to Canaan, the manna ceased, which was the miracle of God falling every day. And Jesus said, I am the manna. I'm the one that gave you the bread every day. That was me falling. You didn't know what. You said, what was it? It's provision every day. He said, but I'm taking you to Canaan. And Canaan is where the, the hills flow with water where the the gardens are going to grow. You're going to have not houses, but houses. You're going to be super abundantly blessed. That was Canaan. And how many know we are supposed to live in a spiritual Canaan, which means we overthrow giants that's occupying what belongs rightfully to us. So while I am in favor for miracles, I'm also in favor of walking in the divine inheritance that God has laid up for his sons and daughters. I'm not talking to servants and slaves here today, ladies and gentlemen. I'm speaking to whom God says you are a son or a daughter. You are in the airship through Jesus Christ, and you should expect something to come from God as long as you walk in those blessings. Are y'all ready? 
you're not ready, say, I'm not ready. Okay, well, you aren't ready, then I'll wait on you. Proverbs 10 and 22. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. You know, you can be rich and still be broke. You can be rich and still have bad stewardship over your finances. You can be in debt to everything and still live off of what God's given you. You can have certain things and not have the blessing of the Lord. But this the Bible says the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, comma. And he adds no sorrow to that blessing. The proper translation is, and there is nothing you can do about it. Let's, let's, let's read it the way that I just said it. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, whole. And first of all, that richness comes from spirit, a spiritual place first and affects everything in the physical. You cannot say that if you walk rightly in the spiritual, it will not affect the physical. If you give your heart to the Lord and you dedicate your ways to the Lord, God says, if you commit yourself to me, he will bring it to pass. In other words, when I put things in proper perspective, my blessings do not come simply from man. They come through man from God. Right? Isn't there a scripture that talks about, shall he give to you, add to your bosom? Shall men give unto your bosom? The bosom is not this, ladies. The bosom is the shirt coat or the, the end of, your, the, the, of your, your outfit that you pull up. It's what Boaz put upon Ruth as she brought back to Naomi. Heaped handfuls of blessings. She gleaned handfuls and she, she was so blessed she brought it in her bosom over to Naomi and said, look what God has done. I don't want a just enough blessing in this word if God said I come to give you more than enough why would we negate that and say I'm good with just enough oh I want to preach on Ruth right now she oh can I sit down Ruth did not deserve by bloodline to have handfuls on purpose dropped into her lap. She was gleaning. And as she was gleaning, Boaz told his servants, there's a woman that's gleaning. And when she's behind you, don't pick up and leave little fragments. Drop handfuls on purpose. Because Boaz... He was the kinsman redeemer, which is a shadow and typology of Jesus Christ. He is our redeemer. And so Boaz is saying what Jesus says in the New Testament. Drop handfuls on purpose behind the one that really don't deserve it, but I like her. I have an affection for her. I think there's something special about her. She must have had something that caught Boaz's life. I know y'all want me to say it. I'm not going to say it. Boaz had a lot of cousins. Let's just say that. Don't settle for the cousins when you can get Boaz. 
So Boaz is dropping. He's telling his servants, drop handfuls on purpose when you see her behind you. And she's gleaning. And she's like, man, everybody else is not getting what I'm getting. But because she has been favored by the owner, she has the blessing on her. Now, she didn't walk in the blessing until she married. But she was able to glean from the blessing. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and there's nothing you can do about it. What that simply means, ladies and gentlemen, is if people want to do something about the blessing of God on your life, there's absolutely nothing that they can do to take off of you what God has put on you. You want some more? Y'all want some more proof? I got some 100 proof here. When Joseph was favored by Jacob, he made him a coat of many colors. And his brothers envied him for that coat. He wore that coat. When you looked at Joseph, you seen the boldness of the blessing of his father on him. And the others that wanted it could not have it. Therefore, they got jealous about it. And the first thing they did when they seen that dreamer coming. Y'all remember the scripture? He came and they said, here comes the dreamer. And they took the coat off of him and they spilled blood upon it because it wasn't just him, but it was the coat that his father gave him. They stripped the coat off of him. Here's the thing about Joseph. You can wear a coat long enough that God puts on you, that you walk in a mindset that if anybody ever takes it off of you, the coat no longer is just on the outside of you, but the coat is on the inside of you. See, when you start walking in the favor of your father, you start walking in the blessing of your father. And I don't care what everybody else says about that blessing. If you know where your blessing came from, they can try to strip it off of you. But it will be too late if you have a mindset that I am already blessed. I'm already highly favored of the Lord. Is there anybody here today that knows that God has blessed you? And if everybody else says, but you deserve this, but you deserve that. Come on, it, I don't care what you've done in your past. If God already blessed you, you are already seated in heavenly places. If you fast forward, this is, not my, this is not my text, but if you fast forward Joseph's life, you find that when he was called by uh, Pharaoh, that he was given a coat. It was a coat. And I can't, you know, it's just, it's, just, it's just ironic how people will try to take something off of you. But if you've already got it, it doesn't matter. It's not what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside. The blessing of God is not a possessional thing. It's a positional thing. You think differently. Some of you all thinking wrong. You're thinking that your value worth that your economic value is your God value. What you make does not determine who you are. Matter of fact, this is what the Lord told me to tell you. Say these words with me. What I have now is not what I'll finish with. What I have now is what I start with. You think about that. Don't look at what you have now and say, well, this must be all there is. No, no, no. 
The blessing and the favor of God is not limited to your resources. It has no limitation. It is completely unlimited in heaven. Come on, the streets are made of gold. The pearls of the, the gates are made of pearls. Well, I'm talking about a place that we are going to go to one day. That we are ambassadors of there, not here. You can't take the blessing of God off of my life. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing that I can do about it. Can I give you some more proof? Go to Genesis. Genesis. First book of the Bible. I know some of y'all having a hard time with that, but it is. It's right there. Genesis 27. The book of beginnings. Abraham has the blessing. He passes it on to Isaac. Isaac is about to die, and he's about to pass it on to Esau. And Esau is there. And this just pick it up in Genesis 27.1. It came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim. Give me one second. There we go. That he could not see that he called Esau his older son, his oldest. And he said, my son. And Esau said, here I am. He said, uh, th then... Then uh, Isaac says, Behold now, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver, your bow. Go out to the field, hunt game for me, and make savory food. So as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that I may bless you before I die. Must have been pretty important that the last thing I'm going to do before I die is I'm going to relinquish a blessing upon the oldest. I'm not giving you a laundry list of what I want for my funeral day. I'm not telling you I want this many roses, I want this many songs. No, the most important thing was I'm, I've got to secure the blessing for the next generation. That's why I get so mad when I preach sometimes. Because most of the time I'm preaching to the generation behind you, not to you. When you got a guy right now, December 14th, put his hands, not on the Bible. He was being uh, sworn into a school board, putting his hand on a stack of porn. You go check my Instagram. Putting his hand on a stack of porn to swear in. And nobody's saying nothing about it. Do you think that has to deal with you or the generation next? That, that even in the post that I talk about, it, there's three or four things that talk about what's in the book. I know we got children here, so I'll be careful. But there's some stuff in those books, and 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 the enemy's after your your children. If if the enemy's after your children that hard, then why isn't the the church after the children that hard? When your kids, I'm taking a sidestep. When your kids tell you, I don't want to go to church today, what in the heck does that matter? Get yourself up. Turn the PlayStation 14 off. You're going to get dressed. And you're going to go in there and you're going to learn the word of the Lord. We're so busy making sure they got an education. We don't say that on Monday through Friday. Your kids don't get to tell you as long as they're living in your house. 
if they're going to go to church or not. The Bible says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. By the way, adults, your kids are watching you. If you miss services, if you miss giving unto the Lord, and you go home, and the stuff you're watching on TV, the stuff you're listening to your ears, if you don't live a life above reproach, at least do it for the sake of the children that you're raising up in your house. We don't do that in our house. Our kids are grown. They are grown men, grown women. If you come to our house, my wife and I, we watching something, something gets said, it gets turned off. Why? Because I have a conviction about me. And so does that woman. That it is not just for them, but I don't want the stuff in me. If something flashes across the screen, we don't go, ah. Or, no, we completely take it off. We're not watching that junk anymore. Why? Holiness and godliness, there is something to say for that when it comes to purity and power with God. Not purity to get to heaven. Not, not holiness, because, I mean, you can't be pure enough to get to heaven. I'm talking about after your salvation experience. Everybody wants the blessing of God, but nobody wants to do what it takes to receive the blessing of God or continue to do what it takes to receive the blessing of God. Amen. It says that I may bless you before you die. Verse 5. Now, Rebecca, the mama, was listening to Isaac, her husband, as she spoke to Esau, the eldest, and Esau went, went to go get food, and Rebecca spoke to Jacob, her son. She says these words. Indeed, I've heard your father speaking to Esau, saying this and that before I die. Verse 8. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring two choice kids of goats, and make a food for your father as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, uh, look, uh, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man. I am smooth skinned. Perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him. How many, how many know he was a deceiver? His name means deceiver, conniver. He said, and, and he'll bring a curse on me and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. So Rebecca does this. <clears throat> Verse 18. So he went to his father and he said, my father. And he said, here I am. He says, who are you, my son? Jacob says to his father, I, I am Esau, your firstborn. Very important. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit, and eat my game, that you, your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to my son, how is it that you have found it so quickly? And Jacob says, because the Lord God brought it to me. And Isaac said to Jacob, please come near me that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to his father, and he felt him, and he said, the, uh, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau. And so he blessed him. Now, Jacob already has the birthright. See, many of you like, what does that even mean? You don't get the blessing without the birthright. The birthright represents a double 
portion. If you, how many have ever heard of the double portion on people's lives? In, in the Old Testament, whoever was the firstborn got the double portion. So if there were three people or two people, there would be a double portion upon Esau, but Jacob would not get what Esau got because he was the firstborn. It was the law of firstborn. So if you are born first, you get, how many firstborns do we have here? You should kind of, you know, strut like a peacock a little bit. That's me right there, man. That's what I got. I got the first, I'm, I'm double portion. The problem was is that Esau would rather have fed his flesh than his spirit because he was so concerned about the now that he didn't care about his birthright. And before this story ever happened, Esau was extremely exhausted by uh, hunting and he comes and, and, and Jacob, he's, he's, uh, he comes to Jacob and he says, man, I'm so hungry. And Jacob says, I've got a bowl of beans here. He goes, oh, I would do anything for those bowl of beans. He says, well, would you give me your birthright? He said, yeah, what is it to me? I need food right now. Many of us, we completely forfeit what God has for us down the road for our temporary satisfaction. Now, I'm not just talking about sin. Some of you, it's just straight out selfishness. Some of you, it's like, God, take me away from this pain and this testing because you don't even realize it, but the testing and the pain and the struggle and all the stuff you're going through actually is tied to something down the road. Will you give up? Maybe some of your tests is will you give up everything God has for you just for a little bit? It's the same, same thing the devil said to Jesus on the third temptation. I'll give it all to you. Jesus was like, away from me. Move. This is all mine anyways. I'll give you just, you get a double. And so Esau gave his birthright to Jacob. So Jacob has the birthright. And if you are of more than one descendant, you get a double portion. Here's the thing. In the Bible, and I'll prove it to you if you want me to. But in the Bible, if you are the only son, you don't get a double portion. You get everything. Matter of fact, go to John 16 and verse 14. Put it up on the screen. When you get everything, actually put on John 3, 16. 3, 16. How many know John 3.16? If you don't know John 3.16, we need to commit you back to Sunday school. You need to know that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God don't have two sons. God had Jesus. Before the foundation of the world was laid, he slain in his mind. He knew that there would have to be redemption. He has one son. His name is Yeshua, where we get the English word Jesus, the only. Why is that important? Because he didn't, there was no other part of the blessing to be given to anybody else. Many translators have taken this out. They've taken out the word only, that he was just God's begotten son, as if God had other sons. Now, we are sons and daughters through the redemption of Jesus. But God has one son. That's why he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Despite what Oprah says, there's only one way to heaven. Amen. 
Only one way. Jesus Christ. He's the only begotten Son. There are no other. It's only Jesus. There's no other God's Son coming after this. That will be called the abomination. That's called the one who stands in the holy place and says he is God, which will be the anti-Christ. But many will have deception because they think Jesus Christ was a sign, not a son. That he was a prophet, not a savior. That's why it's called Israel, and I'll explain it in a minute. Are you all with me? Are you tracking with me? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Wave it. Only begotten. Everybody say only begotten. If you're an only child, wave your hand. I'm so sorry. I'm not sorry for you. I'm just kidding with you. Here's the thing about an only child. Nobody else gets the inheritance. You get everything. You don't get a double. You get it all, baby. Mom and dad go. If they've got yachts, they are your yachts. If they've got planes, they're your planes. If they've got houses, they're your houses. If they've got a beach house in Seaside, it belongs to you. If they've got mansions, it all belongs to you. Now, if you don't have those types of moms and dads, be those types of moms and dads. Because we're supposed to lay an inheritance for our children's children. Now, he's the only one. Now, now go to John 16 and 14. 1230, I'm doing really good. John 16 and verses, verse 14. He will go to 13. Go to 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, what kind of spirit is it? Do you know why there's a lot of churches believing lies and teaching lies? It's because they're not being taught by the spirit. They will do everything they can to bend that word, to align it with their soulish desires, their emotions, their sexual preferences, in order to teach a word that has lies in it. And you know if you're a spirit or you're a child of God and flow by the Spirit of the Lord, you know when the Spirit of God's in a room or not. I know. I can look at it from here. I'm, just, I'm not going to lie to you. I've been pastoring a long time, my wife and I both. When we, when we look out, we know people that are being moved by the Spirit and people are moved by the flesh. Some of y'all are having a hard time standing up during praise and worship. You got both legs and you're physically able to. But you'd rather sip on your Starbucks in the sanctuary than to give glory to him honor. Y'all do know what praise and worship is, right? That's our time to honor him. This part where the word's going to you is not for you to honor me. I am in just a messenger. This is God honoring you back with his word. That's why I have to rightly interpret that word. I don't get to mix it with my soulless desires. I give you the word. This is your receiving time. Not during praise and worship. I'm just being honest. Be mad all you want. We got a lot of lazy, selfish, fleshy believers in the house that come. I don't even know why they come half the time. They give $10,000 to the club down the street, give $5 to the church, and sit there and let them entertain. Listen, worship is not entertainment for you. 
Worship's not for you. Where did you ever think in the Bible worship was for you to sit down and somebody tell you how good God is for you? You look at worship. Worship means to give something to God. Worship means sacrifice. It's truly not we bring the sacrifice of praise. Not we bring the sit down of praise. We don't sit down and praise the Lord. I'm getting a little honorary right now, I guess. Some of y'all had so much potato pie, so much sweets last night. You come in here, you'd never treat your boss like some of y'all do in church. I'm just being honest. You know, go ahead and leave. I don't care. You would never sit down in a boardroom as a VP of a company on your phone. Doing that. The boss is going to leave that room and say, you know, the board member that was four chairs down. I don't even remember his name anymore. Get him off the board. Because he doesn't care about the company. Some of us, we want the blessing of God, but we don't care about the company we represent. Be mad at me all you want. They were mad at Jeremiah. They were mad at Isaiah. They were mad at John the Baptist. They were mad at Elijah. They were mad at everybody that prophetically says you need to get yourself, shake yourself, stop stooping to the level of ridiculous mediocrity and go after God with all your heart. If you're a Christian, my God, be an extreme Christian. If you're a believer, be an extreme believer. If you're going to worship, worship him with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Don't come in here sipping a drink, sitting back, hoping somebody's going to bless you. What about you blessing God? That's what worship is. That's what praise is. And the blessings slow down to people who do that. Sit back and pour me another cup. Give me another shot, Lord. I get frustrated. Maybe it's just me. Got a whole worship team that, that goes before the Lord. That, that, are they perfect? Absolutely not. Who in the world is? But they go before God to, to present it to you so that we can go together. Not that you can watch them and say, you do, I've seen some of these concerts. My God, I'm, I, it's, I'm supposed to go. I'm going to get back to this in a minute. But they are losing their mind. I mean, they're throwing up devil signs. Man, they'd be singing about putting Satan on the screen. People dying, passing out. It's okay. I love this song, man. I'm a Swifty. I'm a this. I'm a that. It's ridiculous. America needs to wake up. I'm telling you, we need to wake up. We treat God so common, we don't even realize it. You don't believe that? See how you feel next Sunday morning. Do you say, we're going to church, or I wonder if it's raining? Uh, it's Christmas Eve. Maybe not today. That's the best time to go. It's so backwards. How we think in America. This is not consumer mentality 101. We don't adapt to a consumer mentality. We are an army. This is not a country club. It is a church. 
We should treat God's house with respect. We should worship God. And when I say reverence, that doesn't mean you can't run around a building. Sometimes being irreverent is sitting your butt and your flesh down when God is moving on the behalf of somebody else. We've gotten to this one hour and 15 minute mindset that if it doesn't get done in an hour and 15 minutes, then God just, you know, God, I've got other things I need to do. No, I'm done talking about it. Let me get back to this. Have a seat. Verse Genesis 27. He gets blessed. Now watch this. This is, this is how much it meant to have the blessing. He's got the birthright. Oh, back to John 16, 14. I had you there, didn't I? John 16, 13. Let's go back there. Got a little sidetracked on that, didn't I? Has come. He will guide you in all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. That's the Spirit of God living on the inside of you and dwelling inside of you as a believer. Anybody a believer here, wave your hand. If you're a believer, you got the Holy Spirit inside of you. You should operate in truth because the Holy Spirit is speaking through you. If you're not operating in truth, you don't have the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you're not a believer. You're a churchgoer. Verse 14. He will glorify me. Who's going to glorify who? Holy Spirit is going to glorify Jesus. This is words in red. He will glorify me and he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Well, what is Jesus's? If he's the only begotten son, there's no other portion of blessing for any other religion in the world. Muslims don't have the blessing of God. Well, they, no, listen, they have strict adherence. They have strong prayer. They have a culture of prayer that makes the American church look ridiculous. That's why next year, one of our goals is to have such a culture of prayer. We're not going to have a prayer meeting only. We're going to have a prayer culture. We should make Muslims look ridiculous how much we pray. Jesus had to pray. Your 30-second prayer before a meal does not count. Some of it's not 30. It's five seconds. You've got to so memorize. Done. He says, he will take what is mine. Whose? Jesus's. What's Jesus's? All things have been given to Jesus because he's the only begotten son. There's no other son. There's no other son coming. There's no other son that came. He has it all. He don't have the double portion. He has everything. And what does he do? He said, I'm going to take everything and I'm going to give it to the church. So we don't walk with no power. We don't walk with no authority. We don't walk with no blessing. We walk with everything that was given to Jesus. He gives it to us. He declares it to us. He gives it. He speaks it over us because that's how blessings work. They speak. If you don't believe that, go to Luke 24. Verse 50, 1242. We'll be done in five, seven, ten minutes. Luke 24. This is how God, 24 and 50. And he led them, Jesus, out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. Who blessed who? Jesus was descending or ascending to heaven, getting ready to sit at the right hand of the Father, and he lifts up his hands does the, the blessing thing. It's literally what it is. And he 
bless the disciples. They leave with exceeding joy. Why? Because now they have the blessing on their life. Not material, not possessional, positional. I have now not only been redeemed, but I've been restored. Whole difference. Redemption means I bought it back. Restoration means I bring it back. Ooh, boy, I feel good on that one right there. You've been brought back, but what about bringing it back to its original form? My father-in-law, he is crazy about restoring stuff. Man, he, signed, he said, you want to be in ministry? I said, yeah. He said, all right, here's a couple sand blocks. I got a 67 Firebird out there. Sand it. I said, it's not a microphone. That's a sanding block. Went out there, cold temperatures on that lean of that barn. Didn't have, and there's a 67 Firebird. He still has it today. He would restore stuff. He bought it, but it was broken. It had rust. All these things it had to be renovated. See, a lot of us, we're grateful for the redemption, but we don't ever move into restoration. We still drive it around. I love Jesus. We got rust all over us. Haven't parked ourselves. Oil change light is on. Come on, we're constantly living on empty. And God is saying, if you'll just sit for a minute and let me restore you. Redemption and restoration are two totally different words. Some of us, we have been redeemed for 20 years. We've been restored for three months. We are so excited about just being able to make it to heaven that we don't realize that God has heaven on earth here for us. To have that heaven on earth, you got to let God work on you. Restoration is one of the hardest things to do, especially when you're building a house. You can build a brand new house and go home or go to your rental while it's being built. But if you're restoring something, you're actually living in it while you're working on it. Yeah. Do you realize how hard it is? We've had to do that. You got to put plastic up. Then you got to put it down. You got to put it up. You got to put it down. You got to build this. You got to put that. You got to put the heater on. You got to sleep. You got to do this. There's dirt everywhere, dust everywhere. You can't walk in it. You get so frustrated because you're renovating, but you're living in it at the same time. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? That's why life is messy, and that's why you should give some people some grace when they mess up. Because God's working on them and renovating them. At least they're going from redemption to renovation. That's why the steps of a good man are ordered, though he fall. Listen, if you ain't ordered, you ain't going nowhere. God ain't going to order you if you ain't got no plan or purpose for your life. God orders you and you fall. Get back up. People are going to talk about you. They talk about Joseph. They talk about everybody. They talk about John the Baptist. They talk about anybody that does anything for God. They're going to talk about you. So what? Let's get back to the text here. And so, Genesis 27, 23, and so he blessed him. Now, go to Genesis 27, and 30. This is so powerful. So it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob. And Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from hunting. He also made savory food and brought it to the father and said to his father, Let my father arise. Eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He said, I'm your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac, the father, trembled exceedingly, saying, Who? Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I eat all 
of it before you came. And I have blessed him. And indeed, he shall be blessed. Kids are funny, aren't they? He said, what? wait a minute. He said, you want my blessing? He said, who did I just give it to? He said that uh, he's the one that indeed shall be blessed. Now, many of us, we would think in, in, in our mind, I mean, come on. I mean, you spoke something over him. Just go say, hey, that wasn't really meant for you. You tricked me. Right? I mean, we, I mean, I mean the argument would be, come on, man. It's just, it was just some stuff. That's not how God sees words. Be careful what you're cursing. Be careful what you're blessing. You could bless the wrong stuff and have to live with it the rest of your life. He said, indeed, he will be blessed. What's 1022 say? The blessing of the Lord maketh one rich. And there's nothing you can do about it. Once it's been released, it's on you. It's on you. Look at your neighbor and say, if you have the blessing, it's in you. It's on you. But look at me. It has to come through you now. Can't just be in you and on you. Jacob had it. How did he get it? He tricked. He manipulated. He schemed. Jacob, you remember when they were coming out the womb? He was holding on to the heel of Esau. From his birth, he wanted what his brother had. Didn't even know what it was. But he said, man, there's something on this. His mama tricked her husband. She knew how to get Isaac's attention. She played tricks as well. If you want to get this out of your daddy. Anyways, you want to, first of all, if you want to get anything out of a man, you need to feed him first. And it better be savory food. Bring me some savory food. Come on. My wife has learned how to make some seriously, ridiculously, Crunchy on the bottom. Cast iron biscuits. If she, if she don't have to get my attention because I love her and I give it to her. But if she ever wanted to. I wake up in the morning. I smell biscuits. I'm going to walk out and say, put some gravy on the biscuits. What's that song? Y'all even know, y'all know what I'm talking about if you watch any type of social media. What is it? And the biscuits. Sweet, savory biscuits. Wave your hand if you know what I'm talking about. If you have no clue, wave your other hand. Well, at least I know where my workforce is. All y'all watching social media. Anyways, this is a social media meme. But those biscuits get my attention. It's like we got this new Cane Corso dog. Five weeks. When you put the food down, that, that dog will take your leg off. 
wanting to get to that food. We have to tell her, stay. Push her back. Stay. Put the bow down. Stay. We're trying to teach her, don't take my hand off. when you're Because if you don't train them now, when they're two years old, they're going to bite your hand trying to get to the food. Stay. No more Esau anointing. Stay. And she's, she's getting it. She's staying. Got to train them. And so that's the way we are when we are going after the blessing. That's the way Jacob was when he went after the blessing. Did he, did he get it wrong? He absolutely got it wrong. Go to Genesis 33. I'm done after this. I'm doing good. I want you to come back tonight. Please come back tonight. Watch these kids. Watch this drama. This is arts. Everything that's going on. Genesis 32, the dancers, right? Genesis 32 and 22. Now, look at me before you. Genesis 32, 22. Put it up on the screen. I've got to move quick. Hmm? 32. 33 and, 32 and 22. 32, 22. I keep getting that wrong. Are y'all getting this? Shout amen. amen. Jacob gets it wrong, but he got it. What did he get? He got the blessing of the father. He, he has the blessing of the father, but he's still a trickster. He's still a conniver. He's still a manipulator. And how many know people like that? They seem like they got the blessing of God on their life, but they do everything wrong to get it. Those people eventually get sick of themselves. Watch the Scrooge. It's a true story. No, it's not. I'm just kidding. But this is what Jacob's life. Jacob was a conniver. Even his father said in, this, in the passage before, he said, man, we named this kid right. His naming is a planner. He takes from what doesn't belong to him. He's a supplanter. And Jacob finally gets sick of himself, and he puts all of his wives, his children, he sends all of his stuff across the river, and this is what the Bible says. And he rose that night and took his two wives, his female servants, his 11 sons, crossed over the fort of Jabbok. He took them, and he sent them over the brook, and he sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone. See, when you get to this place where your, your, your possessions, everything you own, that you thought was going to bring you clarity, that you thought was going to bring you value, you realize those things don't mean the blessing of God in that way. You can have everything and nothing at the same time. People that are extremely wealthy will tell you the money meant nothing. Once they got it, they realized it didn't bring happiness, didn't bring fortune. It brought fortune, but it did not bring happiness. It did not bring joy. It did not feel something on the end. Something else is missing. They don't even know it, but the thing that you have with not what they have, which is Jesus Christ, the hope of mankind is on the inside of you. You don't have everything that you need, but you are sufficient and all satisfied and content and abased in him. That's a blessing. That's not the blessings. It's the blessing that maketh you rich. Not possessional, positional. The possessions come with the position. Somebody give God praise on that. He was left alone. And a man. Now we know through Hosea and we know through this scripture, this wasn't just any man. This was God Almighty. This was God Almighty. He was wrestling with God. Wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint. And he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not go unless you bless me. I thought Jacob had the blessing. Who is this person? It's God Almighty. God 
or, or, or Jacob gets the father's blessing, but he wants God's blessing. We want all these blessings that can be passed down. But what about God's blessing? Because God's blessing will change everything in our life. All these people at World Economic Forum trying to ruin the whole world, start a new world order, saying there is no God, they're going to find out one day there is a God. His name is Elohim, El Shaddai, Jehovah, Yahweh. They're going to find that out, hopefully on this side of eternity. Because if you don't know God on this side of eternity or you deny Jesus Christ on this side of eternity, you will not spend eternity with God the Father on the other side of eternity. That's just a fact, and that's the Bible, and that's the truth. We'll talk about it in January. It's too much of this stuff, the inclusive stuff that's going on. Well, we're just all going to heaven. No, we're not. No, we're not. It's not an inclusive book. It's an exclusive book. Only those who confess the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and believe in their heart. That's exclusive. Not a country club exclusive. It means you have to do something to get it. Hmm. I don't have time to finish this. He wrestles. And he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, it's Jacob, as if he didn't know. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name. And he says, why, that you, why do you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. Name changer, game changer. Had the blessings of God. Had the blessing of his father. Came down. He said, indeed, Jacob's going to be blessed. Esau wept for it bitterly, could not get the blessing because it has already been given. Because once something is given, it cannot be taken back. When God gives something to you, it cannot be taken back. You can denounce it. There are so many people walking around with the favor of God. And they squander it. They squander it. They have so much favor on their life. But yet they're horrible at procrastinating. They're horrible at time management. Their time, talents, and treasures they don't do anything with. They spend it on their own luxury. They're going go to they're gonna go to the grave. Maybe some of us in here. With dreams unfulfilled because all they wanted to do was please this. This stuff leaves. You're not a natural person having a spiritual experience. You're, having a, you're a spiritual being having a natural experience for 70 years, and then you will be in eternity. This is not the, uh, the eternity is not at the afterlife. This is the pre-life. That's the life. Just as real as we are now is what you will see for eternity. And Jacob said, I'm sick of myself. I'm sick of myself. I'm sick of being Jacob. He said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to change your name from Jacob to Israel. That don't seem like a whole lot. You mean I wrestled all night to get my name changed? But they understand there's something about the name. There's something in a name. See, in our culture, names are something we just give to people. But in the Old Testament, names had value. They had purpose. So when Jesus got the name Jesus, it has a reason. And then he gives us his name. And he says, you are able to use my name. In my name, you will cast out devils. In my name, you will heal the sick. When two of you are gathered in my name, there's something in a name, y'all. 
Next week, I'm going to talk about the name of Jesus. We're going to go out on a bang. Jesus, Jesus. All about Jesus next week. Listen to me. He changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Your name is going to be Israel. Galatians 3 says, God has engrafted the Gentiles to walk in the commonwealth, wealth that is common, citizenship of Israel. Everybody say Israel. 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 Say it again, Israel. Israel. Say it, Israel. God loves everybody. He really does. His blessing is on Israel. If you look up the word Israel, it's two words, El and Sarah. It comes from two words, El, Sarah. Sarah, El. El is God, Sarah. Abraham, Sarah. Israel, God, Sarah, not God, Hagar. The name Israel comes from Sarah, of which the blessing came from Abraham, Isaac, not Ishmael. So I'm pleading with you, as much as I and you believe, That God doesn't want anybody to perish. That no blood should be shed in war. But at the end of the day, I'm going to stand with Israel. Because the Bible says to bless Israel, I will bless you. And those who curse you, I will curse them. I'm not willing to stand with Palestinian flags. Saying death to Israel from the river to the sea, right? What does that mean? That's complete genocide of Israel. And if something happened to you or into America where 1,300 people were slaughtered and babies tortured and all that, I would hold our government extremely accountable that they don't do something to stop this madness. Oh, wait a minute. Something did happen. At 9-11. I don't see anybody here that was upset that we went after terrorist organizations. We did that purposefully. Why? Because if we don't stop them, they're going to do everything in their power to stop us. Israel is the size of New Jersey, y'all. And God loves that diamond in the middle of all of those countries that are Muslim, and they still can't defeat Israel. I I implore you, is Israel 100% right? No. Is America? No. They're the first country to establish gay marriage. Israel. They're not right. Maybe some of this is judgment. was in the Old Testament. Jeremiah said they, they were led in captivity. And God said the captivity was to get you back to God. And God raises up prophets. And the prophets are saying, hey, these other prophets are saying it's going to be good. And all he says, these, these, these prophets are lying. These prophets are lying. It's not going to be good. You're in captivity because God's trying to get your attention to turn yourself back to him. Maybe God's trying to shake Israel. 
so that everything that was shaken falls off and to remain so that he can have something to work with because they are of the unshakable kingdom. If you look at this Bible through a Western or an Eastern mindset rather than a Western mindset, it all starts making sense. Israel. We are, we, we are getting the commonwealth of Israel. The blessing comes from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's name was turned to Israel. He said, no longer are you going to live like that. You're going to be this. This is the thing about God. He will never leave you the same way you came to him. If you come to him as a supplanter and you wrestle with God, like some of you may do in this altar, you know what? He's not going to leave you a supplanter. He'll change your name. And you know what? He'll top you on the hip, and you're going to have a different walk. You're not going to walk like you used to. In other words, your walk is going to be more holy. You're going to remember. Sometimes, you know, I know Pastor Morgan, he preached about the thorn, just a reminder. Sometimes it's a touch in your hip. It just reminds you. Like, I'm okay with the, I'm okay with the limp because I remember what I was. I remember who I wrestled with. I remember he blessed me, and he changed my name, and now I have the blessing of God, not just man, on my life. Stand to your feet.